0: to another episode of the DFS Dose, your fix of DFS information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, and As always, I'm joined by the two J's, Joey and Jared. And gentlemen, what a week, week two, more or less in the books, one game remaining. That'll be Seahawks at Bears for the Monday night football matchup, but that isn't what we're here for. We are here to recap all of the exciting action that took place on DraftKings' main slate in week two. On today's show, we're going to go over some of the players you needed to own to do well in GPPs and examine some of the more interesting results from the week coming off of week one and determine uh, what is representative of trends going forward and what were just anomalies. Uh, But before we get into any of that, Joey, would you mind telling the people how they can find and support the podcast?
1: You can find the DFS Dose on Twitter at the DFS Dose. Uh, You can go ahead and give us a follow on there. We greatly appreciate that. And then on iTunes or SoundCloud, we're also at the DFS Doe, so you could just search us up on there. And then on iTunes, you could subscribe as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so before we get into everything today, uh, how'd you guys do? How'd we do week Tell two? Me, how'd you do? Just <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, a terrible week. I lost every contest that i played no matter what lineup i lost um in all my fantasy leagues um i lost all my sports bets so yeah uh pretty terrible week
0: yeah if you look at joey in the group chat he's hitting us with Devontae davis getting ready to retire <laughs> from the podcast mid-game you know uh, he's, <laughs> i'm done with this shit. but yeah terrible, um, terrible terrible terrible. major major uh major tilt from joey in the group chat what about you jared <laughs>
2: I cashed easily in with my cash lineup, I got 154 points. And then, uh, I was doing well in GPPs until Jimmy G, and Kittle did nothing, so it kind of hurt. But I cashed in. Yeah. Every line, I made seven lineups. I cashed in every lineup but two
0: of them. That's that's not bad at all. And uh, yeah. So the cash line and most of the lower to like mid stakes GPPs was sitting around like 130, 140. So yeah, definitely gonna take. The majority of that down with your uh with a one fifty score for sure. But
2: uh, I heard you uh did pretty well for yourself, huh, Ben?
0: Yeah, definitely. I had a pretty big week. I also took down most of my cash lines. It was a little bit closer with one forty one. But the major thing that happened for me this week was hitting in the uh, DraftKings Engage Eight. Uh, that is a GPP. It's eight dollar entry, three entry max. Uh, the prize pool is about, or not the prize pool, but the field is, f- uh, over fourteen thousand, closer to fifteen. And I ended up uh, hitting seventh place there, so that was pretty major. Um, yeah, that that was huge for me. the The lineup ended up uh at about two eleven, so that was enough to take down seventh place in that tournament. Uh, I was sweating the end there. TJ Yeldon uh, I thought he would have a pretty big week he was surprisingly low owned only eight percent I thought he was going to be chalk with the news that uh, Fournette was going to sit and getting him at a lower ownership I thought was going to be enough to push me up at least towards the top five where I was sitting uh, at halftime going into the last round of games but it was not enough Uh, Corey Grant that was pretty tilting that they pretty much split evenly, but still managing to finish that high was uh was pretty big for me.
2: I think he just wasn't chalk because they played at 4 o'clock. If he played at 1 o'clock, he would definitely would have been chalk.
0: Yeah, and, and Fournette was rumored to be out. He was doubtful. The Jags activated uh, one of their practice squad running backs, so um, all signs pointed to Fournette playing, which is why I felt comfortable uh, plugging him into that lineup at uh, at one o'clock. But yeah, he definitely didn't have high ownership, especially when you compare him to Tevin Coleman, the other back that saw increased ownership due to injury of uh, the player in front of him. So, But just uh, talking a little bit about that strategy and going into our next segment of uh, plays that you had to have in GPP. So the core of that lineup was the game of the week, which was Kansas City and the Steelers. Uh, however, what I did and what a lot of people did who ended up cashing high in gpps this week was just getting off the major plays uh getting away from antonio brown going juju smith schuster um i did have tyree kill but i also had kelsey in there kelsey came in at four percent own he was 4.4 in the millie maker as well so people weren't on kelsey after a disappointing week one uh kelsey managed to get 10 targets uh seven catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns so uh, putting up 32 points at tight end, especially when the other main uh, tight ends like Kittle and Cook failed this week. Having Kelsey was a huge edge if you managed to play him. So uh, why don't you guys just talk about that and just sort of the strategy of playing the players that people are sleeping on in the major games. There's definitely an
1: edge to playing some of the uh, guys that people are going to fade. How people faded Kelsey and Cream Hunt, like for the millionaire maker. The winning lineup had Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Juju Smith-Schuster,
0: and it was surprising to me. I didn't really even consider Sammy Watkins, and I, that was definitely an oversight. He came in at two point five percent in the Millie maker, and just to get that kind of leverage, um, it was just it was just oversight. I think people were focusing too much on his disappointing week one, not realizing. I mean, this game is going to be a shootout right Sammy Watkins is being paid like a number one wide receiver 17 million a year or something like that 16 and and so just to like not play him in a game that you know is going to shoot out is just it's just an oversight and the same thing goes with Kelsey Um,
2: yeah I just looked at it as if you got away from Antonio Brown like I played him in one lineup and he got 15 points And uh, I just think, I mean, obviously it worked out this week, but if you want Antonio Brown, Jesse James, I'd much rather have Juju and Kelsey over Jesse James and Antonio Brown any day of the week, no matter what the matchup is, honestly. That's why, if you know the game's going to be a shootout, like, I'd rather have the two overall better players than, like the best player and a bum
0: yeah for sure um so let's talk about antonio brown for a second so brown was 28.6 percent owned in the millie maker and pretty comparable to that number in most gpps he was even higher owned uh in cash i think so antonio brown definitely disappointed he was 8.800 on DraftKings. he had 17 targets nine catches for 67 yards that equaled out about to be 15 points so the process was there. He got 17 targets against a bad defense, but it just didn't work out. So, I mean, it would be results-based thinking to just sort of think that it was a bad strategy to play Brown, right? It just it just didn't work out, but the, the method was correct.
1: Going into the, into the day and into the slate, it was probably the best play for, you know, out of every wide receiver because he had the matchup, and we all know that he's capable of putting up Yards and touchdowns, but like you said, it it just didn't work out today. Um, I don't know if he's getting nine catches. You usually expect AB to at least get over a hundred yards with nine catches. So Juju Smith Schuster had thirteen catches for one hundred twenty-one yards and one touchdown, which is kind of like a, a line that you'll see from AB. Uh, uh, usually. So I mean, like you said, the the process was correct in picking AB, but. You know, it just wasn't there today for him, and I'm pretty sure he complained about his catches as well after the game or something.
0: I mean, this is the second week in a row that Juju has had more yards than Antonio Brown. It's definitely too early to think that is going to be a trend, right? I mean, Antonio Brown is still the Steelers' wide receiver to own, you know, in general, correct? Or or am I wrong there?
1: No, you're right, but Juju – was 5,900 last week and 6,400 this week. So if you're getting him at that price tag and he's consistently gonna put up yards, um, he's definitely. I would definitely play him over AB, who will usually be price up around that 8,500 range.
0: Yep, and, and uh, we do not have Juju on the main slate next week, so uh, we won't have to visit this again for a little while. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the star of today, though, Patrick Mahomes. Um, Mahomes is taking the league by uh by storm right now. He put up forty one point eight four DraftKings points. He was eleven, point nine percent on, and you basically had to have him. He put up a massive day, uh twenty three completions on twenty eight attempts, three hundred twenty six yards, so he got the bonus there and threw for six touchdowns, just a massive showing. Um What do you guys think about Mahomes? Is this is this for real?
2: I think it's for real. He looked really good. I mean, I don't think he's going to do this. I think this will be his best two games ever, but I think he's going to be good.
1: Yeah, um, I agree. I think he's going to be a a good quarterback. Um, He looked really good today. Uh, He was very accurate. He hasn't made any mistakes in his two games so far. He has 10 touchdowns no interceptions
2: and if uh sammy watkins wants to touch his potential finally that offense could be so dynamic
0: mahomes i mean we were watching this game together earlier and and just we were just talking about i mean he just has such great touch and accuracy like a lot of these uh big arm quarterbacks are big arms but they struggle with accuracy but not mahomes he's just he's just dead on he just he looks really good he looks really good it's
2: crazy I think Hunt's gonna take a big hurting from Mahomes this year if they don't include him in that pass game because they honestly don't need to run the ball that much to score.
0: And their defense is so bad that it's it's like Mahomes is always gonna be passing. You know what I mean? He's never it's never gonna yeah. be in a situation where the the team they're playing can't keep up. So I think Mahomes is a lock and load star in terms of fantasy. Their
2: defense could lock up a little bit more once Eric Berry finally comes back, which he still might be another week away. I don't know. I mean one man's not gonna change that whole defense, but you never know what they can do.
0: Yeah, just looking ahead, he's uh seven thousand next week on DraftKings, uh only a hundred less than Aaron Rodgers, uh the second highest owned or second highest priced quarterback on the slate. And facing San Francisco at home, uh seven thousand doesn't seem uh, you know, unreasonable for Mahomes. I could definitely see myself playing him again next week, just running it back. You're probably gonna see massive ownership though
2: massive
0: yeah um it'll be interesting to see what his ownership is um looking in that mid-range of quarterback uh i see jared goff stands out to me at 5900 at home against the chargers but we can talk about that uh on our preview show that will come out on thursday let's stick with uh recapping and talk about a running back here christian mccaffrey um had an absolutely dominant game this week uh he had 15 targets Uh, caught 14 of them for 102 yards, secured the receiving game bonus uh, while managing to get eight rushes on the ground for 37 yards. Um, Jared, I know you were pretty big into McCaffrey this week. Uh, What do you think about that showing?
2: Yeah, I did say he was going to be the highest score running back this week, and he just missed it by like two points because Gurley just snapped. Mm -hmm. And McCaffrey did that all without – he didn't even score a touchdown. Um, Yeah, I played him in every single lineup. Every single lineup, he was a staple in it. That's why I never went up to Antonio Brown. I went down to Juju instead of Antonio Brown, and I plugged in Chris Thompson and CMC in almost every single lineup.
0: Yeah, and both of those plays uh, ended up working out. But specifically with McCaffrey, I mean, 15 targets, that's absurd. That's like a wide receiver one. Um, Do you think that he's going to be able to maintain that? Uh, Earlier in the week, uh, the Panthers coaches su- suggested a baseline of, like, 10 to 15 carries and 6 to 10 targets, but it looks like that could be reversed, where he's getting 10 to 15 targets and, and, you know, 6 to 10 carries. Um, Do you think that that's possible for him to sustain?
2: Yes, and the only reason is because every time Greg Olson is out, he averages 25% of Cam's targets as when Greg Olson is out. Mm-hmm. So I think he just eats up all those targets because he's going to just take whatever Greg Olson used to do. He's going to take the little dump off over the middle, little slants. Like he can run routes. Like he's a good route runner. He's a good receiver. So he's just going to eat up what Greg Olson was supposed, to, was supposed to have.
1: He's a better receiver than he is a running back, which works out in PPR formats.
0: Yeah, he's, he's the yeah. perfect uh, DraftKings back. No doubt. Um, we saw Ian Thomas, who was uh, Greg Olson's replacement, get three targets uh, for two receptions. So, like Jared's saying, it's not going to just go to the next man up in terms of their tight end. That that uh, extra receiving work is going to get spread around, and McCaffrey is likely to be the main benefactor. Um,
1: he's the best receiver on the team, and he's a right Yeah,
0: guy. he's definitely living up to his uh, his draft capital, his first-round draft capital.
1: Because Funchess is DJ overrated.
0: Mora saw some... Uh, some yeah he, he got his first to... touchdown today right yeah so but uh, let's talk about another running back who scored over 30 points and that was Melvin Gordon so Gordon only rushed nine times in this game for 28 yards and a touchdown uh, but he also managed to catch six of his seven uh targets for 38 yards and two touchdowns Um, I, I imagine that Gordon would have gotten more work had it needed to be so but they were just absolutely dominating the bills as it seems like every team is going to um but yeah melvin gordon he did de- he is dealing with a potential injury although it's not said to be serious we'll see how that develops throughout the week but i mean gordon has put up two 30 point games and if you look ahead to next week his price hasn't risen at all he's going to be 7400 just like he was this week so what do we think about melvin gordon uh he's clearly getting a workhorse uh, workload at a decent price.
2: He's really good, and if they just keep giving him this workload, he's just going to be lethal all year. He scores like every single game. He's definitely
0: got a nose for the end zone.
2: So, I mean, I love Melvin Gordon, and I would definitely play him at 7,400 Ivy Week if he stayed at 7,400. He had 30.6
1: points week one and 30.6 points today.
0: Talk about consistency.
1: (laughs) And... The trend with running backs to win GPPs. You need running backs that can catch the ball and that get targets.
0: Yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, just the point. The PPR in DraftKings makes it so apparent.
1: Melvin Gordon has twenty targets over the first two games, and a hundred forty yards receiving and two touchdowns. So if he if he's gonna mm-hmm. if he's gonna receive targets like that, I'm gonna hop on the Melvin Gordon hype train and and roll on it till. Till the wheels fall off because <laughs> that's because <laughs> that's crazy yeah
0: yeah but um,
1: i like that that's a trend that's a trend for for the listeners out there find running backs that catch the ball that get targets
0: yep i i like that for sure and uh I mean, we'll, we'll track his injury throughout the week. Uh, I don't expect him to miss next week, but if he does, Austin Eckler at 4,400 is going to be a very popular play. He's shown to be pretty decent uh, when he was spelling Gordon towards the end of this game once they already had it in the bag. He'd
2: be a lock, hands-down lock. He could put up exactly what Melvin Gordon does,
0: mm-hmm.
2: especially because he's such a good uh, receiver Yep, out of the backfield.
0: I agree with that. Let's talk about another player who was in the uh, Millie Maker lineup at very low ownership. Stefan Diggs uh, had 13 targets, caught nine of them, went for 128 yards and two touchdowns. That equates to 38.9 DraftKings points, and he came in at 3.4% ownership. Um, that is Crazy. an absolute domination, and I'm not quite sure why um, his ownership was so low. What do you guys think? Is it just that there was an uncertainty between him and Thielen, or, or what? Because Diggs is a clearly explosive player, um, and, and the Packers have struggled this year so far in their secondary. What do you guys think about that? It's
2: He was so low because Antonio Brown was so high. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't you couldn't pay for both of them. I mean, obviously Antonio Brown's better had a better matchup, so that's yeah. that's the reason why. And if you want GPP, Thielen, Diggs, Kirk Cousins is probably a better play because the Packers secondary is dreadful.
0: Yeah. Um. Do you think that's going to be a trend going forward? Uh. Just sort of speaking. I mean, you would think that the Packers have the chance to tighten up their secondary. They have a lot of young players who. It makes sense that they're struggling to start the year, but, I mean, I could definitely see them tightening it up as the year goes along and the players get more comfortable.
2: Once, I mean, Jair and Josh Jackson are both obviously rookies, and they're trying to get their feet set in the NFL. I mean, Josh Jones is hurt, so that that hurts. I mean, he's not great, but that hurts. And we still have no—well, not we, but the Packers still have no pass rush. And that just hurts even more. It's hard it's hard to cover for seven seconds.
1: You you wanna know an NFL team that doesn't have a pass rush, just real quick. The freaking New England <laughs> Patriots. Oh, <here> go. <laughs> Jesus. Nah, I just wanna put that out there. I'd rather have the Packers front seven than our than the Patriots front uh, seven. You trip tripping. <laughs> tripping. Jesus. No, no, no. <laughs> Trust hey, me. These no, I'd rather have the Lions front seven. No, 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 okay. no. You, don't, you don't want
0: the Lions front seven, brother. You do not want that. Yes, trust me. You do not want the Patriots front well, hey, seven. Speaking of, uh, we're going to be recording live from Detroit next week as Joey and I go to Detroit to see the uh, Lions host the Patriots in Sunday night football. So look out for a special Ho- episode of the boys recording in Detroit. It's going to be a good one.
1: Facts. Also, Diggs, Thielen, and Cousins – could be a DraftKings stack every week because honestly, I think their matchup. Yeah, both of them now. got
0: 13 targets. Um, Diggs got the two scores, but Thielen again uh, had more catches. So I definitely could see at least one one year this week them being the the stack that takes it down. They're both they have such a consolidated uh, target share, you know what I mean, or or market share, I guess, of their receiving game. So. You know, we just need to find that one week where Cousins is going to blow up and lock both of them in there and and just sail to the money. Yeah, we just missed it. <laughs> it was today. <tonight. laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh well we just need it needs to be a week where Mahomes doesn't light somebody up for six touchdowns, which that might also be hard to find this year.
2: The week to do that is when I mean, it's not going to be in this week cuz they're playing the Bills. They're just going to blow them out. You need a week where it's going to be a shootout. And it's just that's just so hard to find. somebody with the that Vikings. can actually That's what I'm saying. So like Maybe the next Packers game, but, like, honestly, when's that going to happen again? Like, a game like that where uh, Cousins sold for, like, 400 yards, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I think next time the Packers are going to try and control the clock a little more than that, but that's irrelevant at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple opportunities. They got the uh, they got the Packers on the schedule one more time. They got the Lions twice. They got the Saints, Patriots each. Um, Vikings at the Patriots that might be a week to target in December. Uh, but let's not get a, let's not get oh, ahead yeah, of ourselves. Hundred
1: percent, because Eric Rowe, if you're listening to this, you are trash. I'm sorry. Come
0: on, man, Eric Rowe just got really <laughs> you are sad, so and- <laughs>
1: trash. No, I can admit when players on team that I like are terrible, and he is not good. D- like, the, the players that have been on the Patriots defense in recent years, I don't know why they would get rid of them. Chandler Jones, Malcolm Butler, Logan Ryan, Jamie Collins. Now we're rolling with dudes like Jawan Bentley and, <laughs> and, Al- and Alandon Roberts and Lawrence Guy and Adrian Claiborne. Like, come on, bruh. It's so annoying as a fan, but that's a little tan that's a little tan.
0: Eric Rowe just but. thought he found a great new DFS podcast that was gonna help him grind to success and then he's just he's just torn <laughs> up inside. So <laughs> like, that's, that's we wrong.
2: just shut him straight down. I wanna <laughs> Uh
1: I need to have a, I need to have a chat with Brian Flores. Yeah, um
0: yeah, we'll set that up.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um let's see. I guess the only other play that would have uh we need to talk about as far as must-owns for GPPs. I guess it wasn't Mustone because you could have had Kelsey, but Jesse James. Um I mean, he was like 1% owned. That was just a crazy shot in the dark play. Um especially with Vance McDonald returning this week. Uh, who would have thought that Jesse James uh would snap. But Jesse James did catch 5 of his 5 targets for 138 yards and a touchdown. Um <clears throat> I think it's pretty safe to assume that that is not going to happen again. I mean, that's just a crazy amount of points to put up, 27.8 points on five targets. Uh, I I don't expect that to be a trend. What do you guys think about Jesse James there?
1: That's definitely not a trend, because Vance McDonald is by far the superior athlete. But, like you said, he was coming off injury. And, you know, once he's healthy, I expect them to at least, at the minimum, split the, the targets for tight ends in that offense. But... He want to be somebody that I would target on a weekly basis. I
2: mean, you should probably never play a Steelers tight end, like this yeah. year, unless it's a one-game slate and the other tight end is like, I don't know,
1: John Smith.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, Joey's Honestly, main cash like, play. Some
1: <laughs> GPP, GPP. My cash play was uh, Kendall. Not
0: much better, although, although you know, it should have been.
1: A little mini stack that I just want to mention, you know, we were just talking about the Patriots, is Blake Bortles and Keelan Cole. Blake Bortles had 36.58 points, and Keelan Cole had 27.6. And if anybody uh, here follows Adam Levitan, I know that Ben put me on to him. He actually put that in his article that that was his top stack for this week. Yeah, Levitan's
0: great, um but uh Bortles I didn't know Bortles snapped like that yeah he did
1: yeah he had 30 he had four touchdowns four touchdowns 377 passing yards and he had 35 rushing yards Bortles was
0: real big this week um do you guys think that that was a function of Fournette being out so they were they were trusting him more were they just trying to be aggressive with the Patriots or or what was that I mean has Bortles possibly just, well, regained according to, you know the status of when he was sort of a a good player a couple of years ago or or no I just
2: think they would not trying to lose to the Patriots again <laughs> for real I think they just wanted to chuck the
0: ball but if they can beat the Patriots that way are they gonna are they gonna do that you know
1: that's just a product of the Patriots offensive line and the Patriots defensive line and you know Tony Romo was uh drilling into us how Nathaniel Hackett was calling such a great game but you know I'm pretty sure any quarterback in the NFL could throw a ball to somebody that's wide open with no defender even close to a receiver
0: but well speaking of let's move into our next segment real quick and just uh piggybacking off of what you're saying let's talk about Keelan Cole because he had one of the most amazing catches I've seen Definitely the most amazing catch I've seen this year Was reminiscent of the OBJ catch Although, you know, not quite uh, as spectacular He didn't, falling backwards But it was a great catch
1: Yeah, he snagged it over, um Was it Eric Rowe?
2: I think it was Eric Rowe
1: Of course it was Eric Rowe Because why,
0: (laughs) why wouldn't it be, you know But (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, Cole caught uh, yeah. seven of his eight targets, went for 116 and a touchdown. Um, So I guess everybody was just a week late on Keelan Cole. Uh, he was mega chalk last week and not so much this week. So um, were we right to assume that Keelan Cole was the wide receiver one in this offense and we were just, you know making a snap judgment off a small sample size by getting off of him and focusing more on Westbrook, or uh, is this just going to be too difficult to predict going forward in terms of the Jags wide receivers?
2: He's hands down the
1: best, I think. Yeah, he's the best wide receiver, but what I take away from this game is two things. One, he won't have a game like this unless Fournette is out. And two, he won't have a game like this if he's playing a good defense.
0: Right, that's uh.
1: And I'll add that Bortles has to be on point that game too, which you only get like two or three games of Bortles being on point a season.
0: That's fair. That is fair. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about. Let's see here. How about uh? How about David Johnson? Because this one is very curious to me here. David Johnson rushed for thirteen. Uh. Well, no, he had thirteen attempts. 48 yards, and he only caught one of his two targets. Um, Does this new Cardinals coaching staff not know that David Johnson is an elite pass-catching running back? Do they not watch the tape on the best player on their offense, one of the only good players on their offense? Or is David Johnson not recovered from his injury? Is the team too bad to sustain a good player? Like, what is going on with David Johnson? This is, to me, one of the biggest mysteries in the NFL.
2: Um Sam Bradford's terrible. That's what's going on with David Johnson.
0: I mean, even still a bad quarterback would wouldn't that make you lean more on your star running back or or at least be dumping it off more to him? Like yeah. like two targets for David Johnson is inexcusable. I'm sorry. Just
1: just uh go off that, I just have a little stat right right here, right? So last year, he was her, obviously. So we're going to go back to 2016. You know, different coaching uh, system, different players, obviously, different quarterback. So in 2016, David Johnson averaged 31.1 routes run per game and a 19% target share. And he saw 38.1 air yards per game. This year, he's averaged 16 routes run per game an 18% target share and only 8.5 air yards per game. And in 2016, he was split out as a wide receiver on 26% of the routes that he ran and this year it's only at 9%. So, so it
0: it's what not you're saying it's is not right. the, is it not David Johnson? It's the new coaching staff. It's that it's the it's the fall off from Bruce Arians like
2: I mean I think it's that and also that I mean who else on the Arizona's offense do you have to cover other than Larry Fitz? Nobody. And you could put eight in the box because Bradford's terrible, so you could just single cover Larry Fitz. Honestly, nah for real. You could just put eight in the box. David Johnson's not gonna run anywhere. And when they if they split him out or when they split him out, like you could honestly double cover him. You can just do inside-out coverage in zone.
0: You know you're right. I was gonna say. I mean, then why don't players do that against the other elite backs like McCaffrey and and Camara? But I guess that uh, I guess that there are a lot more options on those two teams uh, compared to the Cardinals. So, I don't know. I guess.
2: Yeah, cause with McCaffrey, I mean, I know Joy does like him, but Funches is pretty good, and then you have to worry about Cam running, mm-hmm. and then. With Kamara, I mean they have Michael Thomas and Drew Brees is elite so you're not single covering Michael Thomas anyways right. can't can't do that with Todd Gurley can't do that with Lev when he's when he decides he uh needs money again
1: you want you want to hear something funny just a just a quick little odd thing The Cardinals baseball team has had five runs today. The Cardinals football team has six points in two games.
2: Yo, do you think David Johnson is the next uh, Chris Johnson? Do you think it's in
1: the last name? Shut your mouth.
0: Calvin Johnson. Oh, that's like
1: Mike Williams. The name Mike. Um, Williams. Well, I
0: guess I guess we'll see with David Johnson. I think that at one point this year, David Johnson is going to snap at low ownership. I mean, he's um, already d- just be on the lookout for for what what, what he's what already
2: that down is. to seventy two hundred this week.
1: He needs to get more involved if in the offense and that's on the coaching staff. They have to they have to call plays for him.
0: And they have to realize that too. I mean,
1: make him the number one priority in that offense if you at least want to put up points. You have 6 points in 2 games, Arizona. You have to figure out how to get your best player the ball cuz when he has the ball in his hands, there's not uh many players better than him.
2: I mean, once Rosen starts, he's going to start snapping. And that should be in approximately two weeks, like we predicted.
0: Yep. And maybe maybe one week if Bradford puts up an average of three points again. I mean, come on.
2: They're going to get. They honestly might get shut out next week by the Bears. The Bears have a pretty stout defense. And Khalil Mack is going to eat him alive.
0: Yeah, I'm on the lookout for the Bears DST.
1: Saw that they're looking. If Sam Bradford doesn't have a good first half next game, that Josh Rosen will come in for the second half. That's what I saw.
2: Oh, um, I'm playing David Johnson next week. GBB.
0: Yeah, we could see it. Let's, uh, I'm worried about the Bears' run defense. They they did a number on the Packers' backs. We'll see what they do to Seattle tomorrow. Um, I mean, well, the Jamal Pac- Williams
1: is trash.
2: Jamal Williams isn't that great, and our offensive line is terrible. The Packers' offensive guards, are they should be free agents.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um let's talk about another running back here uh this one really came out of nowhere philip Lindsay um is emerging as the broncos top running back he had 14 carries for 107 yards this week compared to who we all believed the starter would be in royce freeman who was a third round draft pick uh freeman rushed eight times for 28 yards and a touchdown do we think that philip lindsey is going to Maintain the starting role here. Is is Freeman gonna get the shot to overtake him, or is Lindsey, uh Lindsay the guy?
2: As long as Lindsey's running like he is, did you see that long run yet?
0: Yeah,
2: he looked explosive.
0: I mean, Lindsey to me, he's like he's one of those players, Adrian Peterson esque. I mean, to a lesser degree, of course, but it's just like every time he touches the ball, he's like angry he's he's just going for it he's just i i think that's part of being like the undrafted guy you know where it's like you just have something to prove on every single touch
2: yeah and i i like him going forward especially in season long leagues i picked him up last week um i think it will be good i don't know about for DraftKings. i mean he might be just gpp all year until we see him get consistently like 17 to 20 something carries but, I yeah. mean, we're seeing what he's doing with 14 carries, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And, and the Broncos are a team who um, are known to play their best player, especially a running back, regardless of draft stock. Uh, C.J. Anderson was the lead back there, and he was an undrafted player as well. So um, I could see the Broncos just riding with Lindsay if he ends up being the most uh, productive player for them. Uh, Let's talk about another player at running back real quick, Matt Breda. He had 138 yards and a touchdown this week on 11 carries. He also had three catches for 21 yards against an abysmal Lions defense. Um, Breda made the most of his opportunity after Morris fumbled twice last week. Uh, Do you guys foresee Breda Taking the starting job and eventually carving out a bigger workload for himself than what he's been having uh, around eleven carries so far.
1: I think I think he'll be the starter going forward, and then they'll sprinkle in Alfred Morris a little bit, you know, maybe on the goal line.
0: Yeah, the vulture.
1: Uh yeah, I think he'll have a role going forward.
0: Yeah, he looked great today. He had a, I think it was like a sixty-seven-yard touchdown where he just ran through the whole Lions defense. So. Um, Yeah, Breda is a player that I'm interested in. In that same game, uh, Kenny Galladay um, followed up on his big week one. We were talking about that on the last pod, Joey, where uh, we weren't sure if that was just a flash in the pan week one like he had last year or if Galladay was going to be a main staple in the Lions passing game. And he, again, had nine targets this week, uh, turned that into 89 yards and a touchdown um, on six catches. So, Galladay looked good again. His touchdown came on a play where he just wasn't guarded. The 49ers defender just completely lost him in coverage. So, you know, that definitely helped his final stat line. But um, he definitely has Stafford's, you know, attention this year, much more compared to last year. What do you guys think about Galladay?
2: I think that goes with I me mean, not liking Stafford too much, so I can't really consistently like Galladay, especially with Marvin Jones and... Golden Tate in the offense, but I mean Like uh, like you said before That Galladay is Playing in the two wide receiver sets And Golden Tate's off the field So
0: Even so though, Golden Tate is actually leading the Lions In targets, even coming in in the slot He had uh, double digit targets two weeks In a row, um, Tate's heavily Involved He played really well today as well. The Lions in general played decent. Stafford, on the other hand, overthrew Marvin Jones on three separate occasions where he had burned the 49ers secondary. Um, I really don't know what's going on with Stafford. He could have had a much bigger uh, day than he did in his rebound, but uh, better than week one. Could have done a lot more to help those Lions receivers, though, especially in terms of fantasy. (sighs) 0-16. 0-16. <sighs> nah, they're going to destroy the Patriots next week. Just saying. Bold call.
1: So, just a quick little thing. Um, Yeah, we'll be at that game, like you mentioned earlier. And the Patriots are going to blow the Lions out. And I will be sitting in our nice seats, just, you know, absolutely roasting any <laughs> Lions fan that is near me. Okay. And I will be talking so much trash about Matt Patricia who is not a good coach. You know, as a Patriots fan, you have that experience of Matt Patricia, and it's not a good one. Super Bowl so,
0: winning experience? or am I... Bill Belichick. Right, right, yeah. Um...
1: The In the
0: Super Bowls, the offense
1: has to overcome more odds because the defense gives up points. Granted, the defense does tighten up in the fourth quarter Super Bowls. That's what I'm talking about. But I think that's just more of a you know, a momentum, you know, we yeah. need to get us, yeah. they need to get more a stop players that yeah, they need to get a stop for Brady. So he can have a chance to come back and lead a game winning drive. I don't think that's how Matt Patricia, but that's just me personally. But yeah, it's going to be a fun game and, the Patriots should win
0: by at least ten. Yeah, and um, you know if if Joey doesn't make the podcast because some angry Lions fans are coming <laughs> off their third <laughs> loss and and an embarrassing one, Joey gets knocked the f out. You know I'm gonna have to uh, probably carry him back to the hotel room. So it might just be me and Jared next week. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I hope any Lion fans, co- <laughs> I hope <laughs> any fan comes after me because I'll I'll rock somebody real quick.
0: I mean we're going to Detroit. They're not gonna rock you. They're just gonna kill you. <laughs> He's gonna clap you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yeah, that'll be good. That's why I got.
1: My, that's why I got my security guard then.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be wearing the Stafford I'll be like, "Yo, it's cool, man. It's cool." <laughs> <Just> with me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, all right. Let's talk about. Let's see who do we got here? A couple players left on the docket. How about Jared Cook, who Joey rightfully called would come down uh, following his massive week one. Thank you, Joey. That got me off of that play. Although you know, going up to Kittle wasn't much better. But still, um, <laughs> Cook ended up not being uh, you know the type of player who's going to average double digit targets and 180 receiving yards. I think that was pretty uh, obvious. And and Joey, you yeah. were right about that.
1: Yeah, um, that's probably the only thing I was right about coming into this week. So <laughs> shout out to shout out to <laughs> that. And you know, I said I said some Kittle stats on the on the uh, preview pod. But I wasn't too high on him either, even though I did end up playing him because the matchup was too good. But, you know, I feel like that's something that I got to try and not do. But, yeah, Cook Cook is very inconsistent, and that shows after he has a big game. He obviously comes down. Um, that was the easy call for me. I, I think that's going to be a trend with him. That's always been a trend with him for his entire career because he's an in- inconsistent player. He has talent but he fails to show it on a game-by-game basis, and I think that's what we can expect from him going forward.
0: Yep, Um. and, and just real quick, though, um, Kittle could have had a much bigger game than he had, um, and I think that Kittle was absolute chalk this week. I think he was the highest-owned tight end by a decent margin, um, and he was super disappointing. He only had uh, two catches for 22 yards. Um. I would personally expect Kittle to have a very big bounce-back week. Um, Again, 49ers are going to be going into Kansas City. That has the makings of a shootout. If people are off of Kittle, I think he's going to be a smash play. So um, just keep that in mind. Don't give up on Kittle. He got overthrown by Jimmy G for what should have been a touchdown. So that's two touchdowns uh, in back-to-back weeks that he could have had if Jimmy G hit him. So um, just wait. It's going to happen eventually, and... You know Garoppolo's most likely gonna be having to throw next week to maintain pace with uh with, Mahomes.
1: Those those don't show up on the stat sheet though.
0: It's it's gotta happen. They're they're gonna have to connect.
2: Um, I'm probably going back to that same three man stack that I had today next week for DPPs Jimmy G Kittle and Pettis if good ones out.
0: Yeah. Um. That that could be. Um, and uh, 49ers also expressing some interest in Josh Gordon. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Although even if he gets added to the player pool, he won't be uh, viable for DraftKings this week. Um, you know, I'm not going to brag about how right I was in our in our opening pod about Josh Gordon being a bust this year. Um, you don't really have to brag about having obvious takes. So I'll just leave that one there. Um,
1: hey, if he goes to a team and, and plays, he can still have a productive season.
0: If he goes to a team, he's setting didn't. a high standard there. <laughs>
1: well, he is, he's about to be a free agent unless a, unless a trade comes out uh, early this morning. Jimmy G could, could have a receiver one on his hands soon.
0: Yep, we'll see. Speaking of, well... What we thought was a wide receiver one, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, disappointed in his follow-up to a big week one. He caught four of his four targets for 96 yards, so that's pretty decent uh, you know, yards per catch. But at the same time, four targets is very disappointing coming off of an 11-target week. He wasn't even targeted in the first half. Um, I didn't watch this game too closely. I'll have to go back and see what was going on. I don't know if he was just blanketed or what, but, I mean, I thought that was pretty surprising considering the connection he had with Keenum in Week 1 throughout the preseason uh, to see him only get four targets compared to Demarius Thomas, who again had 11. So um, is that a trend? Is that a one-week anomaly? Is this going to be, you know, just a wide receiver core we can't count on? Uh, What do you guys think?
2: Keenum's terrible. I will not play any Broncos receivers the rest of the year. You're bugging Keenum is
0: terrible bro
1: You could have a terrible quarterback and still play the receivers It doesn't matter You just have to have target share
0: Fair So do you like Sanders yeah. going forward Joey
1: I mean I like him <laughs> Personally I like I like the Broncos um, Offense in, in certain situations Let me add that in there if, if Case Keenum has a good matchup He should do well no matter what people might think about them.
0: Well, this was theoretically a good matchup against the Raiders.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a, definitely a letdown. Um, I think the Broncos offense got, uh, what's the right word? Like, I don't want to say destroyed, but they definitely um, didn't perform well against the Raiders defense that isn't good. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's because of um, Gruden, but who knows.
0: Yeah, Um. in my opinion, I do think it was just a one-week uh, anomaly. So... Um You know, like I said, Sanders had four catches on four targets, but Demarius Thomas only had five catches on 11 targets. So Sanders was, all in all, still the better player this week, and I think that he will continue to be. Um, So, yeah, I I still like Sanders for the year. It'll just be a matchup thing with him. Uh, Let's talk about another wide receiver, though, who is getting a ton of work, and that's Nelson Aguilar. He had 12 targets his second week straight with uh, double-digit targets. This week he had eight catches for 95 yards and a touch against a horrible Bucks defense. So he struggled week one, did great week two, and Carson Wentz is likely to make a return week three. If not, uh, he'll definitely be back week four. So do we think that Aguilar is about to make a jump?
2: Yes. I think Aguilar and Ertz are about to get a huge boost when Wentz comes back.
0: Do you think the return of Alshon Jeffrey, which could be uh, quite soon as well, um, will affect him? I mean, you'd have to think that his targets go down, but uh, with, I think you know, going helps. from Foles to Wentz, his targets should also be better targets. You know what I mean?
2: I think that helps Aguilar. Alshon coming back because mm-hmm. like they don't really have anyone else that needs to be covered on the offense. To be honest, other than Ertz. So it'll take some coverage and some eyes off of him. He should be able to get a couple more big plays that he hasn't been getting. Um, other than those like those little five yard catches he's been getting. He had a fifty like, yard catch today, I think, but that was a catch in a run.
0: Yeah, and he was used as a deep threat last year. Um he has very similar uh, you know, metrics to Jeremy Macklin. So, you know, I think that Aguilar could develop into that type of player um he's actually turning into a pretty good player he had a slow start to his career but i mean he was a first round pick and i think it's coming together for him Entering his fifth year in the league joey uh thoughts on agalor
1: yeah so you said this is his fifth year in the league i believe so
0: i don't think it's his fifth
1: Nah, it's it's his third right or fourth
0: i think it's his fourth this is his fourth yeah. year i'm sorry i was thinking uh because the eagles Uh, picked up his fifth year option in the offseason but yeah that'll be for next year so yeah it is his fourth year
1: after 2016 you know he was labeled as a bust and then us and then he definitely like flipped a switch on that and produced last year and he's starting out this year really well and I think he could be a staple of the Eagles offense going forward but with Carson Wentz coming back and Alshon uh, going to come back I feel like you know we could expect like a like a eight catch you know seven catch game Carson Wentz's favorite target is definitely Ertz so I, I like Ertz stock going forward yeah I think I think Aguilar could uh he could be consistent but I want to expect like splash games out of him I would expect like seven eight catches 80 yards 90 yards that's reasonable in my opinion for him
0: yeah that that's fair um Let's close out the show here with one final player, um, James Conner. He had 13 touches this week compared to the 36 that he had in week one, a a third of the touches. Um, That was, I think, five catches and eight rushes this week. Um, He still managed to post a decent final number because of the touchdown that he got, so Around what was it, nineteen points on DraftKings, I think. Um, But that being said, Connor, uh, you know, we he was sort of slotted to just be, you know, in that Le'Veon Bell workload after he showed the capabilities in Week One, and that did not manifest in Week Two. So, um, you know, it's it's hard to predict when Le'Veon Bell, if Le'Veon Bell, will come back um, to the Steelers soon. But in let's just you know make the assumption that Connor is going to be playing a few more games. Do you expect him to be sitting around 36 touches or 13 touches or somewhere in the middle? What do we think about uh, James Connor as long as he's starting for the Steelers?
1: Definitely somewhere in between. And the 13 touches was just part of the game flow. Um, the Steelers were down 21-0 early. They eventually ended up coming back to tie it up at 21 going into half, and then the Chiefs came out and started scoring again. So they they were down the whole game, which obviously hurts any running backs flow because uh, the offenses are gonna pass more. With the Steelers' system and how they treat their running backs as workhorses, you can expect Connor, if Le'Veon Bell doesn't come back, you can expect him to get around 20 touches per game. That'd That'd be a safe bet.
2: Honestly, if you believe in home and away splits, Connor might be a must-play on the road, and it might be different at home because Roethlisberger sucks on the road, and I think everybody knows that. I'm sure Mike Tomlin knows that,
0: Yeah.
2: and I think they're more inclined to run on the road. Um, So James Connor will get way more touches. So There'll be more checkdowns, more, more runs when they're on the road, and then at home they're just going to let Big Ben chuck it. I don't know what his problem is, but he sucks on the road. He is terrible.
0: Yeah, um I mean in terms of home and away splits, I think that it's difficult to nail that down for the most part in the NFL just because there's so much turnover year to year and there's also only 16 games as a sample size where compare that to like you know, baseball, there's so many games that those home and away splits are just more solid. Um, that being said, Roethlisberger struggles go back many years. And I think that's definitely one case that you can look at. And there's more than enough data to support that, uh, Roethlisberger is straight booty on the road. And, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> just in terms of James Conner, I think that his 36 touch game, uh, was definitely an nom- uh, an anomaly. Um, that game went into overtime. It lasted all the way till overtime ended in a tie. So we got a whole extra, you know, quarter out of that he also Ten um minutes. was dealing with a uh a bad weather in that game which you know tends to favor running backs it was on the road like Jared said so they probably went heavy towards the run so yeah I think that that was his 36 touch game in week one was definitely an anomaly but um I wouldn't expect the Steelers to be chasing points in most weeks usually their offense is going to be good enough to hold with most teams so yeah i think joey's assumption at around 20 touches sort of in the middle there give or take uh, is fair for connor
1: for nfl like you said with the 16 game sample size i want to look too much in the home and away splits but it's kind of like proven at this point that ben roethlisberger is trash on the road so that's actually a good uh like a good analysis on that to play james connor on the on the road rather than at home even though like i said um he should sit around like 20 touches as long as he's the starting running back
0: all right guys and that is going to be it for us at the dfs dose real quickly before we get out of here we should touch on our three-man contest on DraftKings where we play each other each week went to the man on the mic jared how did you do it how did you do it sir tell us
2: the, the cmc play i'm telling you
0: i had was... cmc as well
2: it was a lock. It was a complete lock for me. CMC and, um, CMC Juju and Chris Thompson were just, were locks for me this week. There was mm-hmm. no way I wasn't playing all of them. And then, um, the Jimmy G Kittle Pettis let me down, but James Conner vultured. We all had James Conner. Yeah. He vultured a nice touchdown towards the end, and then Tyreek Hill saved me with that, uh, the touchdown he got. Yeah, it was pretty much just just Juju, Juju and Chris Thompson. I had to myself, in a three man, and then uh, McCaffrey should have led all running backs in scoring like like I predicted. But Todd Gurley is an animal.
0: Yeah, so just he's looking one, at uh... he's a
1: one yard touchdown monster. <laughs>
0: Just looking at the uh, the lineups we played, you know, it's a wonder that Joey was just so trash, considering he had Mahomes who put up 41, and uh, you and I both played Garoppolo, who had 16 points. Uh, Joey, do you have anything to say about your horrific uh, effort in this week's uh, <laughs> in this week's three man, considering um, you are now the only winless uh, player here?
1: Um. Yeah, I just want to. Uh, Damn. Janus. <laughs> I don't. Even, I'm speechless. Like Jonathan <laughs> Smith, you're terrible. Demarius, Demarius Thomas had like five drops, so there's that. Um, Jarvis Landry went down from 15 targets to like eight targets,
0: which was crazy uh, considering Gordon was out. I, I thought Landry was like a lock to repeat his 15 targets. I mean, Jarvis. All Smith. in all, I don't think that was a bad play. Um, Thomas especially got, ended up getting 11 targets. He just couldn't do anything with them. Just the Johnu Smith play, uh, not great.
1: And then the, the, we all have the Texans defense, so that kind of doesn't matter. But I mean, yeah, you guys had the, you guys had the players who dropped thirty. So, and I didn't have one player. I only had one player who scored over twenty, which was Mahomes. So,
0: Jared having Juju and Chris Thompson as well was huge. All right. Um. Well, we will be back next week. No, wait. Hold up. Just kidding. Well, we will be back on Thursday with a new episode previewing week three of the NFL season and the main slate on DraftKings. Um, if you can support us by going to iTunes, hitting that subscribe button like my boy Joey said in the beginning of the show, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. My personal Twitter is at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Guys, tell them where they can find you
1: my personal Twitter is at Joey carrion underscore
2: and my Twitter is at Jared underscore underscore Marcus
1: just one more thing um I'm winning the millionaire maker next week so.
2: <laughs> he goes from never playing DFS again to winning the milli maker <laughs> I'm
1: winning the millionaire maker next week and then I'm retiring
0: all right. Oh, well,
2: the end of this pod is going to be next week. So since Joey's going to win the
0: Millionaire Maker, yep. Don't bother subscribing. Uh, Joey's going to be out after winning the Millionaire Maker. So uh, that's going to be it no, for us. No, 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 no. I
1: still do the podcast. I just, oh, you know, I'll, just, oh, I'll just lay it. I'll just lay in my winnings.
0: <laughs> going to be like uh, Walter White laying on a bed of money.
1: Yeah, on my nice seven hundred thousand dollars after New York takes its cut. <laughs>
0: Yeah. All right, man. Um, That's going to be it for us. We will see you on Thursday. Yep.